0: Hey, good morning everybody. So um, today we're going to do what we always do, which is I will ask uh, three Shilas and you'll let me know which one you want to talk about. And that's the one we will talk about for the next half hour. And then Be'ezrus Hashem, the last 10 minutes we'll have a Dvar Torah on the Parsha. So the three Shailahs are as follows. I received a a text from a Rav in a small community in New Jersey um, a couple of weeks ago and it went as follows. He said that uh, he had gotten a phone call that a local conservative day school uh, was closing and that they had an extra Sefer Torah. If he was interested, he can come and pick up this extra Sefer Torah, otherwise they're going to quote get rid of it. So uh, he immediately got in his car and went over to the conservative day school to pick up the Sifretora. Torah. When he was there, he noticed that there wasn't one Sefer Torah. There were three Sifretora Torah at this uh, conservative day school. And he said, um, it seems to me that you don't have one Sefer Torah, you have three Sefer Torah. They said, no, no, the other two are really old. We're just going to get rid of those. But we thought that there is one that's not so old that might be usable for you. He said, I'll take all three, thank you very much. And then he looked around the building and he saw there were mezuzahs on every single door of the building and he asked uh what's going to be with the mezuzahs and they said what do you mean the building's you know was bought by someone who's going to build a condominium here so uh they're going to knock down the building and i assume whenever they clean away the rubble of the building they'll clean away the mezuzahs as well so uh he sa- he quickly ran to home depot he grabbed himself a tool that uh can be used to remove mezuzas. He went back and he took all the mezuzas back to his home. So now he's got three Sifretora and a whole bunch of mezuzas in his house. And his shilas are as follows: First of all, did he really have to do that? Meaning, now now it's on his plate. Is this really his responsibility to go and to rescue these Sifretora? Second of all, can he assume that these sifrei Torah, uh, if uh, check they they check out or any of them check out to be kosher or fixable, can he assume that? that they would then be kosher. Can you assume that a Sefer Torah from a conservative school was written by a Shomer Torah mitzvahs? And he also wants to know, can I sell them? Meaning if they have any value, so maybe I could sell them and get a new Sefer Torah for my shul. So that was Shiloh number one. Shiloh number two, I got an email from a woman uh, last week that read as follows. My husband and I aren't able to get away on vacations since we have little kids. So we would like to rent a pool for an hour occasionally during the day while the kids are either in school or day camp. There is a website where people who own pools can list their pool for rent and people who want to take a swim can book a local pool for a fee. Would it be permissible for a couple to rent such a pool if there's a security camera in the pool area? And do we have to worry about the possibility that the pool owner may be inside the home during our swim time. Can we assume that they're not looking out the window? Thank you in advance. I mean, she wants to know, from a Sneas perspective, can she go on Swimply? I think that's the name of the website. It was started by two from guys. Moshe Weinberger's son is one of them. So uh, it's, I think they were a Shark Tank uh, product uh, that uh, that was not invested in, but it was a mistake on the shark's part. Whatever, not for now. But the uh, but the idea is that, uh, that there is this uh, ability to rent out these... Um, to rent out these pools, but you don't know if they're checking on the security cameras, or if they're looking, and is that a tznios issue for a woman to be uh, to to, re- to to rent out such a pool? Third Shiloh was not a shilu that someone asked me halacha lemaisa, but I was asked by many people. To uh, talk about in some context or another to give a she'er about, Uh, and that is uh, Rav Meir Tzvi Bergman Shlita attending the Adirei Torah event uh, a couple of weeks ago. That uh, a couple of weeks ago, as you know, uh, I'm sure most of you know that in Lakewood, the uh, BMG, the 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 yeshiva in Lakewood hosted, uh, not hosted but put on a huge event in Philadelphia with uh, twenty thousand or thirty thousand people there uh, to celebrate Lom De Torah to celebrate. The color of the younger light and to be Mechazik them that they're doing uh, wonderful things and that they're appreciated by the community. And Ramayr Tzvi Bergman, who is the son in law of Rav Shach and was a, a very close to the Chazanish, and is a very, very old man. He's in his 90s, and a very big Tamul was flown in from Israel to speak at the event. Shortly after he landed in America, he received the tragic news that his son, um, Rev. Israel Bergman, had died at the age of 70, and his doctors told him you cannot get on a plane and go back to uh, to Israel. Uh, it's you're too frail, and to go back and forth like that, so you're gonna have to sit shiva in Lakewood. Once he was in Lakewood, so the question uh, came up whether he should uh, whether whether he should attend the event during shiva during his shiva for his son and speak. Um, what the way the story was going around online, on the From websites was that Rav Sumcha Kohn Shlita, one of the uh, big poskim in the Lakewood community, the author of all of those uh, wonderful art school books on Shabbos and Halacha and different areas of Halacha, Avelos and uh, other things, um, the Shabbos kitchen, the radiance of Shabbos, the you know the sanctity of Shabbos, all those. So Rav Sumcha wrote a psak where he said that Rav Meir Tzu Bergman should go to the event, and he gave certain 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 restrictions that he has when he goes. And then, um, uh, so, so the Shiloh was... Uh, and, and and he went. So the shaila is that seems like very odd. Meaning we never hear of people during Shiva doing anything like that. So is that uh, you know what exactly is the logic, and is there any room to disagree with uh, with that uh, with that logic? Not that we're you know Mayor Meir Bergman is perfectly uh, capable of deciding uh, halachic matters without uh, you know w- without our help. But a- at least as a, as an opportunity to uh, to study um, you know uh, the this area of Hilchas Avelus. So, okay, so those are three Shailahs. Shailah number one, rescuing and selling Sifrei Torah. Shaila number two, Can We Swimply? And Shailah number three, Rev. Meritzi Bergman attending the Adirai HaTorah event. So I would ask if you could just vote using the chat feature, and that's how we'll uh, decide which one to do, which of the Shailahs to discuss. We're not going to get to all three of them. So it looks like one, two, three, four, five, five votes for number one. Two votes for number two. Uh, oh, more votes for number two. One, two, three, four. Oh, it's getting close now. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, one second. Now i got to tally all this. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. I think number one still wins. I think so. Yeah, okay. So Henry put it over the top for sure. Okay, so it looks like uh Shiloh number one is uh is is, is the one that we're gonna do. Um to put a Shiloh number 5 votes for two. Yes, yeah, still Shaila number one wins. Okay, so it looks like we're going to discuss Shaila number one. Which one was that? Rescuing and selling the uh, the Sefer Torah, right? That was the one that we uh, that we started with. Okay, so the first thing we we have to look at when uh, discussing such a Shaila is whether we can assume that they have kedusha Sefer Torah at all. So Rav Shachter pointed out that there used to be, uh, for many years, there was no such thing as a conservative sofa. Um Now there is, meaning, uh, or I, don't, I don't know if now there is, but at some point, there, there, the, uh, the JTS started uh, training SOFR as like a post-ordination kind of degree um, that people would have. I think it was m- predominantly women that they were training. Women tend to be a little more artistic than men are, and uh, that's a useful skill. Problem is that women are, are not able to produce kosher stam. The halacha is that tsevlin, and need to be produced by men. Uh, you can't have one right. The Gemara derives from Madrasha and Masechus Menachos, Uksharta Muxavta, that only someone who's a Bar is a barksiva, that only someone who's chayiv in the mitzvah of Kshira's Tefillin is able to write Tefillin, and we assume the same applies when it comes to other Stam as well, not only Tefillin, but sefer Torah and mezuzahs as well. It's actually an interesting thing uh, that the, there, there are mitzvos that women are there are several mitzvahs, obviously, that women are pater from, and uh, whether they're able to produce the chef shal mitzvah um, it seems to vary based on the mitzvah that we're talking about. Meaning, for example, when it comes to tefillin, it's explicit in the Gemara that a woman is not able to produce a kosher pair of tefillin. Yet, when it comes to sukkah, the halacha is. That a woman is able to produce a kosher sukkah, to beferish a beferish gemara. That a sukkah's ganvach is kosher. That a sukkah that's made by goyim, by nashim, uh, is 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 as long as it's made the sheim tzel, as long as it's made for the sake of providing shade, it's going to be kosher. Even though women are definitely pater from the mitzvah of sukkah, I have a piece in my first sefer. What about tzitzis? Right, the gemara never talks about it. Uh, whether women are kosher to make tzitzis or not to tie. To tie tzitzis, but, uh, but 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 uh, the the uh, the two places the Gemara does talk about one goes one way, the other goes the other way. So you have to figure out like why why is it that they be kasher for uh, for sukkah and not kosher to make a uh, to, ma- to make tefillin? Um, is it is tefillin the exception or is sukkah the exception? Right. That's uh, that's that's worthy of uh, of discussion. Not really our discussion for now. Just whenever I mention sukkahs, Ganvicham, I'm always reminded of the story of Shach used to tell us uh, that when his uh, father became a Rav in uh, the Bronx, I think his father had his Steller in, uh, in Philadelphia for many years, but then ultimately he moved to the Bronx and he got a Steller there. So when he was a Rav in the Bronx, there was another shul in the community. There was a conservative shul in the community, rather, where the old conservative rabbi was a very traditional from conservative rabbi. And the newer they had just hired a new younger conservative rabbi who was not nearly as traditional, and the old chazan in the conservative shul hated the new rabbi. He couldn't stand him. He thought he was uh, ruining everything. So uh, the chazan went to uh, Rav Shachter once. He was friendly with Rav Shachter's father. He went to Rav Melech Shachter and he said, "It's terrible. They, the the new rabbi has a guy build the sukkah." Uh, you have to tell him that it's not okay that a guy can't build the sukkah. So, Shatta's father said, Wait a second, isn't the sukkah in your shul built like over the bima indoors anyway? and the guy said, yeah, 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 but forget about that, that's okay, but he, has a, he, had, a, he had a guy build the sukkah, so uh, Melech Shachs had to break it to him, no, no it, the indoors problem is a real problem, <laughs> you know, you can't have a sukkah that's built indoors, a guy building it is taka b'ferr shakamara, that it's mutter, that it's not a problem to have a, to have a non-Jew build the sukkah, but be that as it may, uh, women cannot be sofrim, and uh, certainly uh, people who are not writing the people who are apikorsim should not be sofrim. so the, if there was a legitimate concern. Concern that the Sifrei Torah in the conservative day school were produced by conservative sofrim, so then it's a non-starter. The halacha is Sifrei Torah min If it's written by someone who doesn't believe in Torah, min Hashemayim, if it's written by an Apikoros, so you're allowed to burn such a Sifrei Torah. You get rid of such a Sifrei Torah. You don't, uh, you don't treat it with the Kedusha of a Sifrei Torah. Rav Schachter pointed out that most Sifrei Torah in conservative institutions were written by orthodox sofrim meaning there there, there are uh, halachic reasons, but really it 's mostly a practical reason it 's a market reason um, meaning if you think about it, in order to become a sofa, you have to dedicate so much time, so much energy into the training and uh, and 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 generally speaking, when a person becomes a so it 's not the most uh, lucrative uh, you know, like, I, I live here in the five towns. You know, sometimes we walk through, like, Back Lawrence. Uh, so I, I told like the guys, you know, like those big mansions that the sofrim are building in Back Lawrence, that you see all the sofrim No, you don't, because they're not. Because there's no such thing. Because no Sofer makes any, uh, makes it, you know, so much money. They don't make a great living. It's not really a great investment of your time if you're in it for the money. They're doing it L'shem Shemayim. But who's going to do it L'shem Shemayim? Who's going to invest that kind of energy into getting trained obviously it's more likely to be someone who is uh, who is orthodox and therefore of shakta thought you could assume that it's written by that it's written by an orthodox person the like gemara says the is written by a min has to be burnt um, but that's not we can assume that that's not the case so then the question becomes okay so do you have an obligation to rescue these Torah now that you know that they have kedusha even if they're possible, and I am sure that they're all possible because there is no way that they've been maintained over the years. Many of the, I mean, I shouldn't say, but many of the orthodox Sephardi Torah, you know, and orthodox institutions are uh, bordering, let's call it, bordering on on P'sul. So uh, if they're not properly maintained, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure that uh, that that that, uh, that these Sephardi Torah, when it gets them checked out, are likely to be possible. It doesn't mean they don't have kedusha. They still have kedusha, even if they're possible. So. The question is, do you have to rescue them? Do you have an obligation to see to it that they not get destroyed? So this question is somewhat reminiscent of a famous tshuva in uh, Igros Moshe and really in everybody else also. Rav Hutner sent a shayla to Rav Moshe uh, years ago. I actually have in my office, one of my Talidim bought me a picture of Rav Hutner and Rav Moshe talking and learning with each other. So every time I see that picture, I think of this tshuva because I'm not sure how many shaylas Rav Hutner sent Rav Moshe, but this was a shayla Rav Hutner sent to, uh, to Rav Moshe. So Rav Hutner sent Rav Moshe the following shayla. There was a case of uh, that there was a person who had a very contagious disease, and he had to go to a particular hospital where they're not going to let him bring out anything that he brings in. They're going to require him to burn. Anything that he brings in, meaning he's going to be put in quarantine. Anyone who goes in is going to come in like a spacesuit, you know, to uh, to deal with him because he has such a contagious illness. You know, it used to be when we'd say over this chuva, it's like quarantine. What's that? And, and you know, unfortunately, now we know very well what uh, what that is. But uh, he was going to be quarantined from uh, from everybody else. But to such a degree that uh, you know, and it sounds crazy, right? But to such a degree that anything he brings in with him, he cannot bring out with him. It's just going to have to be burnt it's like you know the people that were burning the boxes that their groceries came in and things like that you know like we we've uh, we've seen uh, similar right so 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 uh, so so the shiloh was he's going to be there for a few weeks can you bring his tefillin in on the one hand, if he doesn't bring his tefillin in, he's not going to be wearing tefillin for uh, for a bit, uh, for a few weeks, and that's terrible. On the other hand, if he does bring his tefillin in, they're going to be burnt at the end. He's not going to burn them, but whoever comes in to to burn everything that he brought is gonna is gonna burn them. So that was the shaila that was posed to uh, Rav Moshe. And Rav Moshe writes, V'horeisi l'isr. He said, I Paskind, that it's usur to bring the tefillin in. Af d'rabbanan. He said, uh, af mitzad mila dine he, uh, he goes on to say that 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 there's no way that uh, you're allowed to violate an isr even just an isr in order to fulfill a mitzvah. Even a mitzvah as important as tefillin. What, you want to do the mitzvah of tefillin? But because of that, it's going to be a chill that, that Khosh name is going to be destroyed, that you can have something with Kedusha. It's going to be destroyed. Ramos says it can't be. He, he, he discusses how this fits with the Gemara. In Shabbos Tav Kuv that talks about Gram Mechikas Hashem, where it says that Gram Mechikas Hashem, that if you indirectly cause the erasing of God's name, that that's Mutter. The Gemara talks about Hayashem kosov that if a person has the Shem Hashem written in ink, on their, uh, on their skin, are they allowed to go to the mikveh? Or are they allowed to bathe? Are they allowed to shower? It's just by going to the mikveh, it may erase the shem Hashem. So, in that context, the Gemara says that Gram Mechikas Hashem is Mutter. So, if Moshe says this is, I think, even worse than Gram Mechikas Hashem. And he says, because this is not just Mechikas Hashem, this is Kisve kodesh something that, that is not just a, uh, a disembodied shem but it's an actual Cheftzah of Kedusha. It's tefillin it's a safer torah it's it's something that ha, that's a, that's a, that, that that becomes kisvei Kodesh is more hum than a regular than a regular shame and he says in that case in the gemara and shabbos it was loev sharlo there was no other option of what to do over here there's another option don't bring it in don't bring it in and he and, and he says furthermore i have a raya that you're obligated to do whatever you can to save Kisvei kodesh, because the Gemara in, Mishnai, in Mishnah, in Eir, talk about, if Nufla deleka, if let's say there's a fire on Shabbos, and you're in a chatzar she'enu mu'ureves, the house is in a chatzar that doesn't have an eruv are you allowed to rescue things from the house to bring them out into the chatzar, in violation of Nisad drabanan? Ramosha says, the premise of the entire discussion is, that if it weren't Shabbos, then you must go rescue the Tfilin the, the and the mezuzah, and the Kisve HaKodesh, provided that's not going to be a Sakana, obviously. But you must go rescue those things. Why do you have to rescue those things? You're not doing anything. It's just happening on its own. Why is it your responsibility to rescue? el is that it's our responsibility to see to it that Kisve HaKodesh does not get destroyed. Now, I, I will point out, not everybody agreed with Rav Moshe about this uh, about this issue there's a chuva from Ramanasha Klein where Ramanasha Klein disagrees with Ramosha and Ramanasha Klein starts off by saying you're telling me that Ramesha has a chuva where he says that uh, you're not allowed to bring the tefillin in you should know Ramesha didn't discover America there were people that wrote tshuvas about this before Ramesha that you' be a as a tshuva about this and a lot a lot of people already argue on Ramesha you don't need uh, Ramesha for this and Ramesha is incorrect Ramanasha Klein very often Argues on Ramosha, most famously about the Erev in uh, in Brooklyn, but uh, that's a different story for a different time, which involved uh, death threats and things like that, and all sorts of lovely things that happened. But uh, but 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 Menashe Klein often uh, disagrees with Rambamsha. Klein was the Ungvaru Rav. He um, he he was uh, he was he, he was a Holocaust survivor, and he went through uh, Buchenwald uh, together with Elie Wiesel, um, and uh, my grandfather, as a Colonel Racha, was also with them. My mother says, as a child, she remembers that uh, the survivors that were together would get together you know from the same place would get together sometimes. So she says she remembers like uh, Ramanachem Klein coming to, to Ramanasha Klein rather coming to her house um, you know when they had the every once in a while when they, when they had these uh, these get togethers. Uh, Ramanasha Klein and Elie Wiesel were best friends which is like stunning if you consider you know where they were in life and you know just Ramanasha Klein was as right wing a rabbi as a rabbi can possibly get. And Eli Wiesel was not as right-wing a rabbi as a, uh, as a as a as a person could get, but Eli Wiesel funded Rav Menashe Klein's institutions. Uh, Rav Menashe Klein's grand nephew told me he remembers when his great uncle saw Eli Wiesel, that he said a bracha of shechivyanu. He was uh, he, because born such simcha to see him. Very fascinating person. So anyway, I meaning that's what. That's the kind of bond that going through hell together, you know, uh, creates. But anyway, in, in in a tshuva, Menashe Klein writes um, that I'm sure you are allowed to bring the tefillin. And he says my raya is uh, it's a very moving tshuva. He says umaisa rav. Aschana hagnu ke shayinu be machen aus ha germanen He says I have a mysa Rav that when we were in the uh, the concentration camps, they venu fillen itanu wisnakt fillen in with us. Fa asinu colmashe biadenula niacht fillen ke kola afshar bo usonam We did whatever we could to be able to put on the in that in those terrible places o borrowr ha yo kibir a shemish bitsarraimin it was clear as day to us Shem tafssu at philin metu sarful sam beish that if we were to ever get to get caught, they would confiscate the fillin and they would burn them on the spot va Philuhahi kalmesisha heavy it to and yet anyone who was able to try to sneak tvillin in vil chi past and we made every effort to put him on the camalukinualem and how badly we were we were beaten because of them viloya potsapeu met safzef cholola necht mishum bisayonat tvillin o mishum shisrafen and he says i i i i don't recall a single instance of any of the gadolam and sadikim that were with us that told us we. We should not bring in the tefillin or we should not wear the tefillin because the tefillin will one day get burnt when uh, when they're caught not a single instance and he says that my sarav is all the raya i need that you're allowed to bring in the tefillin what they're going to do later to the tefillin that's not my business that's that's their problem what they're going to do later to the tefillin. so he disagrees with rav moshe about that but the basic premise that if you know that Kisvei HaKodesh are going to be ruined, they're going to be destroyed, that you should do something about saving them, yeah, so that's something that is a, uh, that, 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 it, that probably I would imagine Ramanasha Klein agrees with. It was only in that case that Moshe was dealing with where you're going to lose out on the mitzvah If uh, you know that someone else is going to burn it, but the basic premise that a person, uh, you know, when when all else is equal and is given an opportunity to save a safer Torah, probably that is the right thing to do. So what, what does he do when he goes and gets it checked out and he finds out that it's puzzle? So non-kosher Sefer Torah, the halacha is, the Gemara tells us, you're not even allowed to keep it around. You, you have to uh, immediately get it fixed or put it in Geniza. Um, the Gemara says, based on a the Pasuk, that you're not allowed to keep an avla in your house and the Sefer Torah that's puzzle is considered to be an avla. Why is the Sefer Torah that's puzzle considered to be an avla? Someone's going to use it to read from it or to learn from it and they're going to see the run. What's the Pistol in the Torah? Could be anything. Could be that by the Asar Sadibros, there's just missing two letters. Lamid alif are missing. So it says, Tirzach. So someone's going to say, hmm, I really want to murder my neighbor. Should I? Let me open up this uh, scroll and see what it says about murder. And it says, Tirtzach, oh, there's a mitzvah murder. And he's going to go and murder somebody because of that. So it's uh, an avla. You can't have a Sefer Torah that's going to teach you the wrong halacha. So you, uh, Sefer Torah, that's possible. You're not allowed to leave around your house. I remember uh, Revaran Khan gave a Muslim shmooze when I was in yeshiva many, many years ago, decades ago. And uh, he gave a schmooze about television and about how we should uh we should we should not have a television in our house um this was obviously pre-internet uh days uh before anyone who has uh, one of these guys uh has everything at their fingertips anyway so uh you know television is uh, yesterday's battle i guess but uh but the schmooze was about television and he said i know what you're going to tell me you're going to tell me that there are so many good things on television there are so many productive things the news and the educational programming he said, the Gemara says that a Sefer Torah that's chasar os achas, you're not allowed to keep in your house because it's an avla. You, you want to tell me there are good things, I would argue with that. But even if if I were to accept that, at least be moda that it's a Sefer Torah missing a couple of letters. Remember, that was Rav Khan's uh, message to us. At least be moda that it's a Sefer Torah missing a couple of letters. But be that as it may, the Allah is clear by a Sefer Torah that if it's possible, you have to fix it or get rid of it. For some reason, that's not the minhag. The minhag of what many shuls do is because Sefer Torah are expensive to fix and it's very time-consuming, what they'll do is they'll take a gartel and they'll put it on the outside of the Sefer Torah as a hacker that everyone should realize that that Sefer Torah is possible and they won't come to to use it. The whole reason it's considered an avla is because... um, no reason it's considered an avla is that people might come to use it, and that would be terrible. So if no one's going to come to use it because you put a all around it. That's how the logic uh, the logic goes. Um, now, uh, what what can he do with these Sefer Torah? If they are, uh, let's say they're kosher, is he allowed to sell them? So the Gemara Masechus Megillah Davchav Zayin says that a person is not allowed to sell the Sefer Torah even to use the money to buy a new Sefer Torah, and it's based on Malambakodesh B'Kodesh V'lo Maridin, that uh, you have to be Malam So the Gemara says, aside from the Isser, selling a Sefer Torah is also just a bad business decision, because you're not going to see a Simon Bracha from such a sale when you sell a Sefer Torah. Shulchan Aruch in Orchayim, Sim Kufnum Gimel, says that there are a few exceptional mitzvah opportunities that may present themselves which would allow you to sell a Sefer Torah, meaning, let's say, for Limur HaTorah, to support Limur HaTorah, or Lahasi Yasum Yisoma, in order to marry off a Yasum or yisoma, when there's no other way to do that. Or for Pidyon Shvuyim, the Ramah says, you're allowed to sell a Sefer Torah. The question becomes, um... The, is 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 it permissible for a shul to sell a puzzle Sefer Torah that has cracked letters and use the money to fix the other Sefer Torah, so the revash writes, and that's what this rabbi wanted to do he wanted to sell these Sefer Torah and use the money to fix the Sefer Torah that he's got in the shul, so the Rivash writes that a Sefer Torah that's missing letters or has misspelled words, doesn't have the same level of kedusha as a Kosher Sefer Torah, it's more like a khumish. and therefore you can sell it, the issue of selling a Sefer Torah doesn't apply to a Chumash it only applies to a Sefer Torah the Shulchan and Kufim Gimel Gimel and the Rama and Yoridei Kuf say that, that that we pass like this Um Now one could question whether that only applies to a Sefer Torah that was never kosher because it always had missing letters. But maybe a Sefer Torah that was once kosher and and, and the letters rubbed out that maybe you could say that then uh, you know the, it doesn't lose that level of kedusha of the Yisur to sell. But some far as a in Yoridei Simin Reish and Tess, that there's no Chilik, that there's no so, uh However, Yitzhak Zilberstein points out that that would only apply if there was a mistake in each of the five svarim. Uh, a person could sell a chumash to buy something that has greater kudush, such as the Sefer Torah, but uh, you, you, if it's not to buy something of greater kudush, then you're not even allowed to sell a chumash. So you'd have to make sure that, there, e- that each of the five chumashim are apostle. Uh, so in the end of the day, I'm sure these Sifrit are Apostle, I'm sure they're a P'sulim. in each of the five Svarim. He could either put he did the right thing by rescuing them. He could either put them in Geniza or the uh, question is whether it might be lifne to sell them. Someone's going to think that they're uh, kosher. So probably the best thing to do is put them in Geniza. If he really uh, wanted to, there may be a header to be able to sell them and use the money to restore the, uh, the Sefer Torah that he has. So that was the Hadracha for uh, for that Rav in Shila number one. Okay. Um, well, let's